Come with us as we go into the wild. We're not talking about hiking trails or survival skills. We're diving deep into our faith journeys as we navigate the many terrains of life. As we navigate the wild, we'll discover how it can lead to divine encounters. Come on, City First, if you're excited to be alive, can you make some noise for Jesus this morning? Absolutely. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Kyle, and I'm honored that I get a chance to hang out with you today. I think the world of your pastors, Pastor Jer and Jen, can we just give God a praise for great leaders? Absolutely. This is your first time at City First. You're in a good place. You're in a place where people care about people. So let them get to know you, and you'll find out really quickly that I, it's true what I just said. Uh, I'm excited to hop into our next installment uh, in our series, Into the Wild, where, where we just know that uh, there are some adventures that show up on our, in our lives, but we're thankful that God is with us on our journey. Can I get a good all oh, yeah right there? Absolutely. So I'm going to preach for the next three hours and 27 minutes. I'm just making sure you're awake this morning. Come on. Absolutely. Hey, I've got one thought I want to share at the very beginning of today. The thought is this. God's promises can take time, but they're always on time. God's promises can take time, but they're always on time. And I don't know about you, but this may be one of the hardest things for me to come to grips with in my relationship with God, that things don't get delivered to me between 4 and 8 a.m. via Amazon Prime following God. All right, I'm going to talk to this side over here. There, there are challenging moments where there's promises that God has made to us in his word, and we know that all of his promises are yes and amen. However, something happens between the time that we receive and hear the promise and the time that we experience it. I just want to talk a little bit today about the process. Because the process can be discouraging. The process can be challenging. The process can be overwhelming. But I want to encourage someone in this room in City First Anywhere, in the middle of the process, you are not alone. The same God that made the promise is the same God that will carry you to the promise. It's the same God that will help you to take advantage of the promise to bring him glory, honor, and praise. It's two characters that I'd love to look at today in particular. Uh, characters named Abram and Sarai. They're found in the book of Genesis. Uh, their names change eventually to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, but God, God shows up to them and Scripture says that Abraham is, is around 75 years of age when God has his first conversation with him. And in Genesis 12, verse 2, God says this to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. The key words here, though, I will make you into a great nation. There's only one problem with this definitive phrase that God uses with Abram is that Abram has no son to allow a nation to be birthed through. And uh, I feel safe in saying this today, that at 75 years of age, that's not necessarily the age to be a first-time father. <laughs> that was funnier than you made it out to be. Come on. Uh, but God makes a promise to Abram and says, I, I will make you into a great nation and, and I will bless you. There's some time that goes by here and 
In Genesis 15, Abram now has a conversation with God because the son that God promised to make the nation with has not shown up yet. And Abram does what, I won't say you, I'll just say me and you can hop on the train together. Here we go. Sometimes I get spicy with God. I'm looking for seven honest believers. I'll make eight. <laughs> and when the promise doesn't show up when you expect it on your clock or calendar, you, you, you get a little spicy with God. Come on, you, you put a little Louisiana hot sauce on it. Come on. Uh, Abram, Genesis 15, verse 2 says, he replies uh, like this. He says, oh, sovereign Lord. That lets you know it's about to get good. What good are all these blessings? What good is the blessing of my business? What good is the blessing of the resources you put in my hand when I don't even have a son? Historians tell us Abram was a very wealthy man and had done very well in his business ventures. He had no son to pass them along to. And listen to Abram. This is when things get good. Since you've given me no children... Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household. He's, he's going to have to inherit all of my wealth. You've given me no descendants twice now. Abraham is spicy today. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, and the first word is what? No. When I read this, I hear my dad's voice growing up, you know? No. Your servant will not be your heir. God here reiterates the promise, Genesis 15, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. God repeats himself a second time to Abraham to reiterate that I have not forgotten you. I'm with you. It's, it's going to take place just not when you thought it was. Can we be honest? This is one of the hardest parts about following God. This adventure that we're on, this faith journey requires us to lean in and trust him when things don't make sense. <laughs> God then comes along in Genesis 17 and verse four, knowing that Abram, has waited a very long time. And he repeats himself again saying, this is my covenant with you. Genesis 17 and four, I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Parents, we vibe here because God repeats himself three times. We understand that if I'm repeating myself more than once, it must mean that the message that I have to communicate is something I desire you to hang on to. My wife and I are raising two incredible kids, seven-year-old daughter and three-year-old son, and Danielle and I on a daily basis, sometimes hourly, repeat ourselves, not once, not twice. One for the father, one for the son. <laughs> Hashtag church jokes. Uh, it's in those moments we repeat ourselves because we believe the instruction we're giving is worth hearing. God does the same thing with Abram. 
Abraham, he wants him to understand that the thing that I'm telling you of is worth hearing, so it's worth repeating. Not once, not twice, but three times. However, this is where Abram and I, we, we connect on a very human level because while he's waiting for the promise, this, this adventure of being a first-time dad very late in life, and God says, I'm going to uh, make a great nation through you and your family, we have a tendency or a number of tendencies to lean into certain things we become when we don't get what we thought we should have right away. And it doesn't make us bad, it just makes us human. But even in our humanity, it's important that we reach out and ask God to help us to supernaturally grab a hold of the promises he's given and not lose faith along the journey. The Bible still says that if we are going to please God, that we are going to have to do so by faith. Faith also without works is dead. However, be careful that the work that we do is not something that God has not asked us to do. Abram and Sarai, his wife, they, they have a few tendencies and these tendencies bring me joy because they just help me to understand that these are very human individuals having a very human experience. One of the tendencies uh, that they had when they, when that, that they had when they did not believe the promise that sometimes we have. When we don't believe the promise, we have the tendency to play the blame game. <laughs> Listen to what Sariah says, Genesis 16, verse two. She says to Abram, wife, husband, having a conversation in the house, God has not seen fit to what? Let me have a child. Doesn't God get the blame sometimes? No, I mean, he gets all the glory when we feel blessed. We gotta be so careful that we don't play the blame game with him when things don't roll according to our clock and calendar. And if I can say this and be so bold, uh, sometimes we also have to be careful what we say and how we say it because there's at least one person that we have been given influence over. Sometimes it's a student that we're leading or someone we're coaching or parents, those kids that we prayed for and we're raising to train them up in the way that they should go. We gotta be so careful on how we communicate when we're going through a tough time of not having the promise yet because when we played the blame game, it makes God out to be a liar but I'm so glad that God is not a man that he should lie. So even when Sarai begins to put the blame on God, she's not all the way wrong, but it has this, this tone to it. As if, huh, thanks God for nothing. You ever felt like that before? Time and season in life all these promises in scripture and God can't seem to keep one for you. I just came to nudge you this morning and remind you, the God who made the promise is the God who keeps the promise. You just gotta keep your hand connected to his while he takes you through the process. Here we go, another tendency. When we don't believe the promise, we have a tendency to try and help God move faster. 
<laughs> you ready? Here we go. Genesis 16, she, Sarai, had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. Listen to what she says. Sleep with my maid. Abram, sleep with Hagar. Maybe I can get a family from her. Did you feel the tension in this room rise? <laughs> now, although you and I would say, hey, that's not a wise move, Sarah. <laughs> How many times in the middle of desperate circumstances have we given ourselves to thoughts that wouldn't make sense normally? If I was back home, south side of St. Petersburg, Florida, I'd say it like this. Sarah would have not never said nothing like that if she was in her right mind. Not never. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not never. She suggested to her husband, maybe we can help God out So you go sleep with Hagar. Let's see what God does. Every wife in here is like, don't get any <laughs> ideas. Next tendency, when we don't believe the promise, we have a tendency to do what makes sense to us. Genesis 16 and 2. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. I'm sure he did. <laughs> First hall pass in the Bible. First time you heard a husband say, yes, dear. Yes, yes, dear. In the desire to help God move faster and in the desire to do what made sense to them along the journey, they invited a series of consequences close that they didn't account for. I just want to encourage you in this adventure that we're on, this faith journey, it's important that you and I, here we go, fight the urge to try and help God move faster faster. This is counterculture to us because I, just like you, will pay an extra $3.99 to have something dropped off at my house in the next eight hours. I like expedited shipping. Come on. I like going through the drive-thru and getting something quick when I'm starving. Hello? There, there's, there are just moments in life where we want things to move what? faster and we do what makes sense. This isn't in the notes, but follow me just for a moment. When Hagar got pregnant and Hagar was carrying Abraham's child, did you hear what I just said? Abraham's child in Hagar's belly. The Bible says that Sarah developed contempt towards Hagar. Can I say it like it's 2023? She got petty. But there was only one person to blame for the problem. Have you ever been in a scenario before with the promise that you've been given, you've tried to help God out or move things along and then incurred a series of circumstances that you were not prepared or ready to handle? 
However, although Abraham and Sarah were seemingly stuck here, God did not skip them in the process. Romans tells us all things are working what? Together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you're wondering who scripture is talking to, you ought to just tap on yourself and say, that's me. He's working all of my challenges out for my good. He's working all of my dark days into bright days that I'll praise him again and be reminded that I will believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's working all these things out. I look stuck, but I won't get skipped. Genesis 18 lets us know of a visitation where angels come uh, to Abraham's place of dwelling and Abraham notices them and invites them in and he cooks a meal for them and prepares a moment for them. And God had sent these angels to communicate the message of the promise one more time, but now something is different with the message they communicate here in Genesis 18. Then one of them said to Abraham, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. God now puts an expiration date on the promise that he's given. Historians tell us it's been nearly 24 years since Abram and God's first conversation about this. Maybe I'm the only one, but I have problems waiting 24 minutes. I'm going to talk to this side. The real Christians are over here. All right. <laughs> Uh -huh. I got problems waiting 24 hours, 24 days, 24 months. This family waited for 24 years. And then God shows up and he puts an expiration date on it and says, this time next year, you will have the promise I guaranteed to you. And then Sarah does what most of us do when we get a promise from God and it ain't shown up on our clock and calendar. Here we go. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. I will not address that sentence. <laughs> Moving on, I'm staying safe today. <laughs> but she, what? Laughed. Here we go. Sil <laughs> That's cute, God. <laughs> I'm going to have a child next <laughs> You've been saying that for 24 years. <laughs> you ever have a moment like that with God? You get a promise from God. He's going to heal your husband, cause him to be the man that you thought you married the day you got married. And he keeps repeating the promise. Now when you go to your prayer time, it's no longer faith. It's Right. Hey, God, that, that wife you gave me, uh-huh, you let me work on her. Okay. I'm working. <laughs> I don't see it yet. <laughs> Here's one for you. The kids, there's always one, right? They're like, you know, Buddy the Elf on the elevator. They just push all your buttons simultaneously. <laughs> God calls that leadership, and you're like, you know, job security in one season that now 
becomes job insecurity, but he still calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. And you're like, <laughs> right, you gonna provide for his health insurance? <laughs> she laughed. And then in this dialogue, she says, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? In other words, I have already had my best days. I'm on the backside of my best days. Especially, then she brings Abraham in the midst, and Abraham is just an innocent bystander catching strays. Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Some translations actually say that Sarah said about Abraham, he is all withered up. Can you see Abraham? Really, honey? In front of company? Really? <laughs> but then the Lord said, why did she laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for God? How you and I answer that question right there will determine how we experience God moving forward. Because one of the hardest things to wrestle with is believing that nothing is too hard for him, although there are plenty of things that are too hard for us. Mm -hmm. But this is why God doesn't desire for us to just know him or have an opinion of who he is. He draws us to this adventure into the wild of getting to know him through experiences. And one of the misnomers of those who don't follow Jesus, who are thinking about following him, is to believe that because I follow God now, everything in my life is going to be better. But find you a believer and follower that's only been following God for six months, and they'll tell you sometimes things get worse. Sometimes prayers seemingly go unanswered for a season. Sometimes relationships go from rocky situations to falling off the side of a cliff for a season. Sometimes what we thought God was going to do as we follow him into the wild is not what he does right away, but it draws us into this place of experiencing the essence of who he is. If I can trust you when I've got nothing else to hang on to, then I need to trust you when I got a whole lot of other stuff that can keep me held together as well. I'm not talking to anybody in here today. And how we answer this question, is there anything too hard for the Lord, will determine how we view him today. I'll never forget, never forget. I was in middle school and my mom had gotten a doctor's report and they said we need to do surgery immediately. When they did surgery on her, they went to go remove the tumor that they had found. And the doctor, I'll never forget his words for the rest of my life, the doctor said that when he pulled the tumor out, that the tumor dissolved in his hand. 
It was at that point that I realized the God that we pray to in the Rogers house is not some far off cosmic being. I'm not talking to the ceiling and I'm not praying pretty prayers because I'm a pastor or I'm a pastor's kid. I am talking to the Lord of heaven and earth, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the God who can do something with my impossible situations. And that became a stepping stone for me to believe that there is nothing that is too hard for our God. This is where we find ourselves today that there are often something that is too hard for us, but scripture asks us a very poignant question and gives us a chance to respond. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And then he makes a definitive phrase. He stops saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. He then says, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. This part of the message is for someone who's been hanging on to a promise and you have been allowing God to develop you in the process. This is a great spot to shout because life is going to look different this time next year. Not just because the promise he gave is the promise he keeps, but because of who you are becoming in the process. God will use external circumstances to develop an internal belief of who he is and why he chose you to make this promise too. But somebody has got to grab a hold of the promise and just say, this time next year, I believe something will look different. Come on. We fasted and prayed in January. We held firm in June, but now we're in October and there's some things that have still got a hold of us that we want freedom from, but God says, I am developing you through the process and this time next year something will look different than it looks today. He makes this promise to Sarah, even though she laughed, even though she doubted, even though she tried to go about things her own way, even though Abraham joined her in the process of doing those things, they got stuck, but they did not get skipped. And I want to remind someone in here that although you feel stuck, keep going to your life group. Although you got stuck, keep going to therapy. Although you got stuck, keep grabbing your spouse's hands and praying over her. Although you got stuck, keep calling out the man of God in your husband. Although you got stuck, keep looking at those kids and saying they are full of purpose and full of the spirit of God. Although you got stuck, walk into that office tomorrow morning and say, if God be for me, nothing and no one can be against me. When you walk up and see those employees, talk to them based upon the purpose that God put on the inside of them. Although you got stuck, you did not get skipped. How do you know this? Because Genesis 21 says the Lord kept his word. Am I in a room or city first anywhere that believes the Lord still keeps his word? The word he kept to Esther. 
that she'd found favor for such a time as this. The Lord keeps his word. The word he kept to David. You were the eighth son of Jesse, but I still have a plan for you. You've slayed a lion, you've slayed a bear, and now have the confidence to face Goliath. The Lord keeps his word. Waiting 24 years for a baby. Talk to us, Sarah. The Lord keeps his word. Closing the mouths of lions for Daniel. He's the same God then and he's the same God now. Am I in a room with those who believe he is the same God? Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? You are the same God. Hallelujah. If you've ever stood on the faithfulness of God, can you just wave one hand? Just wave one hand. Yep, there it is. Today, someone has an opportunity to join those hands and say, I'm choosing to stand on his faithfulness today and every day moving forward. And it just simply takes one prayer. Somebody say one prayer, one prayer. It's a prayer of commitment that just says, I am inviting you to be the same God for me that you are for the others with their hands up to forgive, to walk with, and to lead me for the rest of my life. There's a student in this room today and this will be the decision that makes every other decision easier for you because you are going to choose to serve God for the rest of your life. City First, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer out loud because it's never God's desire that anyone would feel left out. So just say, Jesus,
I need you. I've tried on my own and I failed. But today, I make you Lord of my life, and King of my heart. I hand you my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I hand you my life. I received your love. Be the Lord of my life and lead me today and every day to come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give that same God one victorious shout of praise in here today? Come on, lift up a big praise to Him.